Welcome to Loaded Talk. I am your congressman, the third most popular candidate to ever be. And along with me, as always, is... What's up, planet Earth? I'm Bean. Bean. I think the question everyone's been asking since we've taken off since around the holidays and the new year is, whose bed have your boots been under, Charlie? Whose bed have your boots been under? My my own? No. Oh, okay. Well, there's the answer, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Feel like a woman. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, new year, new show. We got lots of new segments. We adopted a six-year-old boy that's sassy, good at delivering one-liners. Just pops in from time to time. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I know. So I think of like, do I have a six-year-old nephew? That answer is no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so some things change. Some things stay the same. Like. The government is actively the enemy of the people. Um, you know, before we get into this stuff, I don't know if I've talked about the Kazubas on the show or not. So, Kazuba and Son Distillery in St. Pete, or I guess now in Pinellas, Park, you know, Pinellas County. Um, they came here, I think, let's see, eighth grade, so I guess eight years, nine years ago. Time flies. Um, and they opened up uh, a distillery. Uh, originally over near like the warehouse arts district and uh, they make like whiskey and vodka and all sorts of good stuff, you know, um, but they were over on an invest investment visa, investor visa. And uh, they always knew that like, well, not always, they were looking for a path to take that from you're allowed to be here and live here and invest in this country, create jobs. And then, um, you know, at some point they'd like to be citizens. You know, they've been paying taxes, paying rent, paying all sorts of things they're paying. Um, well, the other day, not the other day at this point, months ago, um, the U.S. government said, hey, you can't be here anymore. And they just go, well, I mean, we're, we just want to renew our visa. You know, we're, we got this nice little rental house and nice little space. We just, we're just trying to open up our new location. And uh, the government was like, nah. <laughs> like, oh, this, you know, the school year's already begun. We've got kids. I think one's an anchor, baby. Um, so, oh, we got kids in school. They're like, yeah, I got to get out of this country. So, oh, okay. So, they were in Canada for a little while, back in Poland now. And, um, you know, just the whole, like, had to leave the school during the school year, leave, like, just get the fuck out of here. Um, an investment visa has no path to citizenship unless you sell your investment. So if, say, you start up a family business and you go, well, there's two generations. Maybe one day my with a, my daughter will take over, you know. It's like, not if you ever want to live here. You got to sell that to somebody else and then just see what happens. And then maybe move back to Poland. Then maybe try again and, like, go through the whole thing all over again. So, so, so you created a market, you created jobs, and you paid taxes, but you can't be a citizen. Oh, yeah. Of course not. Why would they be? Charlie... Why would you be a citizen just because you live here and are a productive member of the society? It's a bizarre world, I guess. Yeah. Meanwhile, the population of Virginia has come over the border in 2023. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those build the wall, get them out type people. But it's like, when you bring it, I mean, Virginia's above the 50% line in like population, there's something like, I don't know, 11 or 12 or something like that. I forget. But it's like, you know, 
when enough people have come into this country that they could be one of the most populated states in the country, they just all like lived in the same area, and you're not really doing any system to, about this? Like, you have no system to uh, track them or, uh, you know, a path to citizenship and all that. It's just like, come on in. All right. All right. We'll ship you all over the country. Um, and then they're like, well, these people need to live here. It's like, what about the people that paid all the money and were trying to play by the rules and all that, even knowing that they were in a bad situation as far as, like, the type of visa was, you know, it encourages you to work hard and then get rid of all your crap and sell it to an American and then get out of the country, which is a great system. <laughs> like, build up something nice and then sell it to one of our people then try again. But they've been, they're still trapped. They still haven't been able to come back. Um, you know, the, the daughters haven't been back in school since they've been thrown out of the damn country. And, like, there's just, a, you know, there's a fight. And it's just like any other, just like the IRS, right? So when you, if you're unfortunate enough to have an audit, uh, the IRS agent says, we see that you actually owe this much money according to these rules. And then your accountants go, well, we think we owe this much money based on these rules. Uh, that are also the IRS's rules, and so you go. Okay, well let's uh, let's bring in a, a another auditor from the IRS, and he goes. Well, actually, I see a third total because of these rules. Every rule is so vague that no matter what, you're in violation and in compliance simultaneously. And the the immigration system is the same. The same rule where you go. I think we should be approved because of this. They go. No, no, you're denied because of that. You go. But it's my answer's right. They're like, but it's also wrong. Okay, it's uh, the government is the enemy of the people. It has been, and it's not getting any better. <clears throat> is the I mean, is the business doing okay? Are they still able to collect profits? I haven't seen. And that's the unfortunate thing. Is right around. I mean, not. A month before, maybe two months, something not very long before this happened, um, they had kind of a slimy thing with the landlord. I'm not going to get totally into it, but uh, they they moved locations because, um, you know, they they were going to court about some stuff and everything was on the up and up. And then the landlord lawyer was like, well... Uh, you know, a year ago, because, you know, when you're in a lawsuit with your landlord, you pay into the court registry, you know? And so they've been paying into the court registry, paying into it, like, going through the steps. I got a lawyer. Everything's legitimate. And then they go, well, you know, about a month before you filed this lawsuit, so, you know, like 13 months ago um, or more, it's like you didn't pay that amount into the registry, which there was some conflict over that where it's like well there wasn't a registry at the time and the amount we paid you was because you actively owed us money so we just paid you the net you know you owe us this we owe you that boom here's the difference and uh but their lawyer was kind of cruddy at the time and had nothing really to respond with so the judge was like well, i mean if you got nothing then i guess it's approved you're evicted and so they had like move everything just over the course of a week and so i helped with that but they were you know, they got their new location. They were getting it set up, getting everything going. And then this happens, you know. So it's already like a financial, financially trying time. 
to like move your entire business like with really little planning uh, while in an active lawsuit uh, against you know a landlord um, and like you know it's not a not a perfect time to <laughs> get thrown out the damn country um, but this is uh, you know this is what happens with government you have enough rules you have enough layers. Um, it's not going to work in your favor unless you have all the funds to have the lawyers and the accountants and, you know, the team of people where the federal government goes, all right, all right, all right. We, we believe you. We don't, we don't want any of that smoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's just a little local district 13 issue, um, which you would hope, you know, it, it just illustrates how broken our immigration system is. And how it's, I think it's purposefully so, um, because I don't know, you know, people go flood the borders, bring everybody in, but also block out the people that try to get in the normal way. And it's like, let's, let's, we don't care. It's a political football. It has been for years and it will continue to be like the, Oh, gotta stop the open border Democrats and the Democrats. Oh, we're not open border. We just, these people need, you know, they need help. They need a place to live. It's like, okay, well, I mean, if they traveled through, like, 13 countries to get to us, maybe any of those might be nice. They're like, no. It's like, oh, because I thought they were all nice. I thought y'all got mad and Trump called places shitholes. <laughs> like, well, no, they're nice places, but also shitholes. So they need to come here. Well, there's also the legal way of seeking asylum. I mean. Right. <laughs> Which is, you stop in the neighboring country. So, like, you first go here, apply for asylum. Maybe they say yay or nay. And then from there, after that, you can go to the next country. But you can't you can't leapfrog over 30 countries, you know? Unless there's a path cleared for you. <laughs> well, somebody's renting a bunch of semi-trucks for you to ride on the back of. <laughs> well, the assault on... Our liberty and our people does not end with the Kazubas, fortunately, you're on. Um, there's been all sorts of fun things that have been occurring, so we're going to hop to this letter from Jim Jordan while he's not in the locker room. <clears throat> he says, uh, he wrote this letter, um, the Committee on the Ju Judiciary and the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, so that's like the subcommittee that's been looking into how the federal government's been attacking people. Um, he basically sends this thing. So FinCEN, which is the, that's such a long name, Stakeholder Integration Engagement and the Strategic Operation Division of the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Basically, Financial Crimes. This is the Federal Financial Crimes Investigative Bureau, um, which has gotten new power, by the way, because uh, certain businesses are going to be required to file... Um, I forget what they call statement of ownership or whatever. They go, hey, depending on how many employees you have, uh, fill out this paperwork. Tell us about your owners and all the stuff about them. It's like, what? Like, who they are, where they live, and all this other stuff. It's like, all right. I mean, don't you already know that from our tax filings? You know, like, if it's a C Corp, they own shares. If it's an S Corp, it passes to their personal income taxes. Like, you should know it already. We shouldn't have to, like, have... Papers, you know, like fill out these papers about your ownership. We think you are doing crimes, which is really all it is. But anyway, so that's a new power that's legal. But they're saying um, that 
Following January 6, FinCEN distributed materials to financial institutions that, among other things, outlined the typologies of various persons of interest and provide financial institutions with suggested search terms, um, which are called MCCs, for identifying transactions on behalf of federal law enforcement. So these are terms that might trigger the fact that someone's doing financial crimes. These terms are things like Trump and MAGA and a search Zelle payments, as well as other FinCEN analysis of lone actor, homegrown, violent extremist indicators. So Trump and MAGA, if you donated to Trump for whatever, MAGA, if you buy a MAGA hat or something like that, like it's a sign you might be a violent, homegrown extremist. Um, in other words, FinCEN urged large financial institutions to comb through the private transactions of their customers for suspicious charges on the basis of protected political and religious expressions. Because you go, wait, religious? What does he mean there? Let's jump to this other one real quick here. Because um, there's other words. Not, well, I guess maybe you put it in the text. Because there's other things like Bible. Like Bible's the a possible term for um, being a financial terrorist. Because everybody knows you, I don't know, because you buy a Bible and then you blow things up. Are you good? You look terrified. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but some of the other things they were to look for are codes like sporting and recreational goods and supplies or small arms, which just means pistols. That's, you know, nothing crazy. Um, and then there's like stores to look out for things like Cabela's and Dick's Sporting Goods. There's also, um, if you zoom in, which I don't know if you can. There's a, uh, oh, ghostguns.com made it. I love ghost guns. They've got a great uh, Twitter presence. Um, it does not like me doing that. Well, okay. here, yeah, it's just messing with my screen when you do it. Um, <laughs> Oops. That's all right. But also like Midway USA, they, they're a really big gun site and good deals on ammo. Um, what else we got in here? There's some crazy ones. Some of these I've never even heard of. Brown, but Browning, I mean, Browning, that's just a rifle company. They're not terrorists. Academy.com, that's Academy Sports. Like, I mean, cheaper than dirt. Once again, that's a pretty big website where you can get cheap deals and guns and ammo and all that. But it's like, all right, they have down here, it's like, during a 60-day rolling look-back period, see if it involves five or more distinct and different merchants uh, listed above. So if you went to Dick's and you went to Cabela's and then maybe you went to Cheaper and Dirt, bought some ammo, and then, I don't know, probably went back to some of these places. Um, aggregate purchase transactions totaling 2500 or more, which, like, you know, buy a nice rifle and some gun and some ammo, you know, it's not hard to get there. What if I, if so, if I went to Dick's Sporting Goods and bought a duck collar? If it was a really nice one, how much do a duck call? I mean, I don't know. I was just (laughs) just saying, like, is that a red flag because it's Dick's Sporting Goods? If you bought a duck call and camo and some boots, and then you went to uh, Cabela's and you bought some long johns, and um, now they're saying it's supposed to, well, that's the thing. They say, well, pair it with these codes, right? But one of the codes is sporting and recreational goods and supplies. So tents, you know? Yeah. Cooking stove. It's very general. <laughs> yeah. And then like number transactions, uh, they go, at the above MCC codes, 50% of the number of transactions. By- so they're saying if like half your transactions 
or more or at these uh, sporting goods stores, which, you know, could be if someone has a credit card that they just like maybe use and pay off, but they don't use it for groceries and everything. They go, oh, just use it's I get points. I get points at Cabela's for using it, you know, it's, or my my uh, oh shit, what's the what's the big sporting goods place? Uh, Bass Pro. It's like, let's see, it's ba- yep, Bass Pro is on here too. So you, you go, go to Memphis, go to the Big Pyramid, and you go, I want to buy some Bass Pro swag, you know. But if, uh, if on that credit card, you know, it's about half your transactions are Bass Pro and Cabela's and Academy Sports, um, then yeah, they're going to go through all your stuff, go through all your transactions, um, and blah, 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 blah. And so there's different rules in here, but basically, <clears throat> since January 6, 2021, and under the cover of, of catching possible domestic terrorists, um, the federal government has advised our banking institutions. So, you know, you think that's your money and your account. Um, so, hey, come through all the transactions. And then once you start finding stuff for sporting goods or anything that mentions Trump or MAGA or the Bible, you know, red flags pop it up. And, like, let's check to see what else they got. You know, just comb through it. And, you know, 60 days at a time. Go through 60 days at a time and see if there's more Bibles and camping. Okay, so one could technically methodically spread out payments between cards and over 60 days and not trigger this. Are you conspiring to commit a crime? Babe? I'm just finding a way around. <laughs> <laughs> this seems dangerous. I think you might be one of those homegrown extremists they talk about. <laughs> oh. I just want to be left alone. <laughs> you know, there is one solution to these problems. Yeah? You can fire the cannons. Oh. Sometimes when you need extra help, Combating the cabal that like that seeks to take us down, you need a special weapon, special weapon controlled by certain chosen people. Enter the Jewish space laser control panel. All right. Oh, we need a test fire. That's where our crack reactor's already turned it's on. Already, it's already on. Fire. Boom. <laughs> I wish we had some real cheesy CGI right now. <laughs> Chopping the uh, the Independence Day, the White House blowing up without <laughs> aliens. <laughs> I wonder if I can find that. Maybe I'll cut that in by the time this is out. I'm going to look for that. I'm going to do it if I feel like it. Um, <laughs> so that problem's been solved. Um, we do need to hook up the Jewish space laser to something. Make something happen. It just won't work on anything with a blue roof, apparently. So. I forgot about that. Why is it? That's like code. Um, no, apparently. So I did a little bit of research on lasers and there is an issue with the color blue. Interesting. Yep. I guess red light, blue light kind of thing. Filtering. Okay. Well, I don't know. Rachel has been talking about wanting to paint the place. She actually mentioned the blue today. Maybe we paint the whole thing blue, including the roof. Gotta protect us from the Joes. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's just one minor little thing. Uh, our financial institutions are teaming up with the federal government to make sure that all of our transactions are monitored, make sure we don't buy camping supplies or Bibles or guns. Even though guns are legal, protected by the Second Amendment, government can make no law infringing upon the right to own 
bare arms, which includes ammunition. And it's not for hunting. doesn't mean it's for sport shooting. It's specifically in there because sometimes you have to fight against your own government when it becomes tyrannical. That's literally the point of it. You know, it's Declaration of Independence, you know. They didn't want to. They just said, hey, y'all are beginning to go too far, or you've gone too far, you know. Just so, some intelligent people that wrote that um, in anticipation of something like this. <laughs> and, uh, and it's amazing, too. You know, you get called an, you get called an extremist and all that kind of stuff. You're like, I'm quoting the founding of this country. Like, and I get it, you know, like George Washington and Jefferson, well, they own slaves. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yes. Heard. I heard. You heard. So did Biden's grandparents, by the way, the Robinettes, because that's his middle name, Robinette. <laughs> Joseph Robinette Biden. Which we can, which you grab that book. Can't reach that. Ah, that's okay. Our chairs don't move that well. Um, a chosen lad. But, uh, but yeah, but you know, they come up with a system like, hey, we've been stepped on so much, we need to create a system where the government can't step on us. And go, you know, 200 years later, they go, you know what? Instead of elected officials making rules, what if bureaucracies filled with unelected people answering only to the government, maybe they can just make rules that no one votes on? And Congress goes, yeah, I like that. Then uh, and that's the funny thing too with this whole, um, it's like Vivek Ramaswamy who has dropped out. Um, like, I mean, Trump is now not that he was not guaranteed the thing, but like he's gonna win it. He took Iowa. He's gonna take New Hampshire. He's gonna take South Carolina. And the question is just whether Nikki Haley keeps trying to stay in there for scraps to try and get a VP or something like that. But. Um, but Vivek was talking about, you know, firing tons of people, half the half the government or something like that. Seventy five percent, yeah. Yeah, 75% of the FBI. Um, which let's throw it. But uh but that kind of became the question is people, ah, well, there's a rule that you can't just fire executive branch government employees without congressional approval. And so his big thing was like, Well, they have to either work for Congress or the executive branch. If they don't, who the hell do they work for? You know, so it's like these are executive agencies. They probably work for the executive branch, um, and so. But it is that question. It's like, all right, well, Congress said we got these bureaucracies, and they answer to somebody. They go, oh, Congress, oh, the president. But it seems untested and un. Seems like they don't answer to anybody, basically. And I think Congress likes that because they don't want the responsibility to go. We did that. That's the whole reason they set up this rule to begin with, so they don't have to vote on stuff and have to, you know, take blame. Um, which is why Florida has their amendment issue. Same thing, where it's just big things. Let's not have to put our name on it. We go, oh, the people decide. Um. Anyway, so there's another department, a little department you may have heard of. It's called Department of Homeland Security. And so while it, we'll read this from the Washington Examiner, while the Department of Homeland Security has allowed as many as 10 million immigrants to flood the southern border, which that's probably a low number because their actual like reported number is something like, I think like seven, seven and a half million. 
uh, when you do the math. And so it's like, those are the ones they've like talked to. So like 10 million. I mean, that's easy. Anyway, uh, to flood the southern border, the domestic surveillance state has prioritized something as a more important matter. According to the documents unearthed by the Media Research Center, Department of Homeland Security paid 700000 from a counterterrorism program to a self-described propaganda network to attack conservatives. Self-described, mind you. The source of the funding was the Targeted Violence and Terrorism Pre- Prevention Grant Program, which was created under uh, Barack Obama to target al-Qaeda. Put on hold, uh, it was put on hold and then clandestinely revived by then-acting DHS head Kevin... McCallinan, McCallinan, and Miles Taylor, the infamous and insufferable quote unquote anonymous resistance within the Trump administration with funding that circumvented the White House budgeting process. So basically, during Trump, these two people that were like, We're undermining Trump, uh, we're the resistance, and we work here, they figured out a good way to fund this program without it being part of the White House which was kind of a, a new thing. It was an end around. You know, they had to end around Trump. But the beneficiary of the grant under Joe Biden is the already taxpayer-funded University of Rhode Island's Media uh, Education Lab. So this is, uh, this is something from uh, the lab, I believe. It's propaganda can also be used for socially beneficial purposes. You know that, Charlie? <laughs> Propaganda is good. It helps society. Uh, see the application read as it's outlined in the, on its own counter-propaganda model. Indeed, because the public has long been recognized as being suggestible, the United States has long made use of beneficial propaganda during World War I, World War II, and the Cold War. Yeah, no shit. Wow, so they're just admitting, <laughs> just admitting to it. Yeah, they're like, it's good propaganda. <laughs> it's good Charlie? God. Just such little faith. <laughs> the university's media education lab would then work with a partner activist organization to write blog posts equating MAGA supporters to anti-Semite Louis Farrakhan and blaming former President Donald Trump for creating a darker, scarier, angrier, less hopeful com- uh, country. I was say company. So they basically paid for a bunch of blog articles and stuff like that. To say, I don't know how you can compare MAGA people to Louis Farrakhan. No way. Yeah. That guy's in his own category. I think that's fair. Yeah, Louis Farrakhan, has his, that's his own. It's like kind of mobster, kind of religious, kind of political. I mean, he's political. He's religious. He's kind of a mobster. Yeah, he might as well be the leader of the Black Panthers. I mean, I doubt they make many moves without consulting, you know. Just because, I mean, it's Farrakhan. I heard his rapper, who was talking about it? Some rapper was talking about it. And he's like, I always love Louis Farrakhan. He said, one time this beef was about to pop off. And it was like, I don't know, like middle of the night or something. And um, I don't, I think maybe some of them were, I don't know, brothers, or what's it called? Nation of Islam or something. But uh, whoever it was, some big name guy, like it's not Dr. Dre, but somebody of that caliber was like, I'm going to make a call. And like in five minutes, Louis Farrakhan pulls up in a like in a car, you know, hops out, and just like everybody go home, and everyone's like, okay, he's just like shut down this like violent interact, which you know, good on him, this piece, but it's also like, I don't know, how much power that's quite the power, yeah, like for gang violence to just stop. 
But uh, anyway, yeah, so that's a weird comparison other than just trying to, like, I guess if you're saying both are anti-Semitic, it's like, all right, but... you. I mean, they're not all the not all MAGA supporters are anti-Semitic. No, of course not. I'm just saying, like, if you're just yeah. trying to say, oh, they're anti-Semitic, it's like, okay, but why Louis Farrakhan? Why not David Duke? Right. right. Exactly. I mean, they did David Duke. Maybe that one was just like the, the Farrakhan thing. That's <laughs> I don't know. Um, let's see. They offered cash incentives to children to post social media demands for an increased media literacy. And expand anti-conservative seminars established by the State Department. These seminar- seminars, known as Courageous Rhode Island, are based on a manifesto that claims political extremism, rage, and anti-government theories can lead to targeted violence and domestic terrorism. Yeah. Part- Let's see. Whatever. They paid kids? <laughs> yeah, I know. So basically... And we're done with this. Um, but yeah, basically... Department of Homeland Security paid, I mean, not a ton of money, but, you know, three quarters of a million, basically, uh, so that bloggers and children could write about how hateful the country suddenly was, you know, under Trump, and how Trump supporters are hateful and making everybody divided and angry. And, like, thinking of those subjects... Were those, they sound very familiar topics for the news to me. Like, I know these themes. I've heard these themes. Are we, are we to understand that they originated in the federal government and then was washed into the media through this Rhode Island, you know, education research sort of project? Because it sounds like it. Good term, washed like it. That's what, I mean... More and more, it seems like people, like news people, political people, and messaging, they have a laundering system, you know? Because, like, the CIA is allowed to provide propaganda or narratives to the news now, like, for the last, was it 60 years? Was it starting in the 60s? Um, Operation Mockingbird. Um, And so it was just this thing where it's like, yeah, I mean... Listen, like, like it says, um, the the people are suggestible, you know. And so sometimes, for the good of society, you have to help nudge them, just nudge them. Which is another uh, Cass Sudenstein thing. He was a uh, rules for radicals. That guy. It's just, just you nudge. You just nudge people. You don't push. You just nudge. And uh, so it seems like they go, well, you just gotta nudge them in the right direction. And say, okay, but you can't just come out and say, sources at the State Department say, you know, because like they did that for a little bit. Then people were like, State Department? You mean CIA? They go, nah, not that one. Different <laughs> one. I mean, different people. It was Kevin. You know Kevin. He's good. About the coffee? You like Kevin. Um, but I guess at some point you need to get a little bit more distance, you know, especially when you're working for the person you're trying to discredit because obviously you don't want to tell your boss that you've just sent money out to discredit him and all of his supporters. People don't typically like that. It's kind of a quasi coup. You know, there are, there are different things that have been done that do smell a bit like coup, you know, um, even to the extent that there's, you know, there's a new article out, but 
after Trump was gone, uh, people within the Defense Department, you know, leaks were out. It's like, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't let Trump go to war, launch the nuclear weapons. Like, we all had an agreement to basically undermine his authority as commander-in-chief. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he was a great commander-in-chief. I like that no new wars were started. And, you know, he could have ended some wars. Uh, like he said he was going to. Um, but uh, he definitely didn't. I can tell you this much. I'd say Central Command and some of the other Defense Department, whatever, departments, um, they had some issues with him on Twitter. Because sometimes Trump would say things on Twitter. And then you go, well, is that an order from the commander-in-chief? Or is that a guy bloviating on Twitter? Because if it's an order, like everybody needs to stop what they're doing right now to implement this new policy that just got tweeted out at 4 a.m. on the crapper. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I just got a picture in my head. <laughs> just in a, you know what I hate? He just you know, he woke up, watched a little Fox and Friends while he's taking a poop. And he's like, time to tweet. Uh, but it's like, is this a policy? Do we need to implement this right now? Because you, what you just said was a major policy change. Is that a, a command? You know? And the answer was always a little unclear. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. So I get it. He wasn't the best commander-in-chief. Uh, but he's still a commander-in-chief. And he has authorities. And, like, if you don't like it, you know, you got to take legal routes around it, you know? Um, but there's a story how there's a group within the Department of Defense right now uh, figuring out ways to make sure that Trump doesn't have authority, you know. And they, of course, they couch it in the stuff like, well, he's going to be a tyrant and then weaponize the, the military against his political enemies. And it's like, I mean, maybe, well, I don't know, probably not. I mean, the first time he didn't and people are active you know lock her up lock her up yeah like he there was actually political will from half the country to go lock up hillary clinton and god knows she put you could find enough crimes to lock her up uh but he was like yeah it's, it's fine it's over you know so i have doubts that suddenly he's going to turn into um anything more than he's ever been you know like he's just going to be the same old trump he has uh, enough support i don't think he would need to go that route no and he you know I'm not going to say he's lazy, but it's just like, I don't know, for, to do what? Like, what are you going to, like, it's one thing to, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. He's bums, begged like a dog. You know, that kind of thing. He's going to talk a lot, talk about how people begged like a dog and told him they loved them. And he said, eh, you're disloyal and you're piece of, you're, you're just a dog. Like, that's what he's going to do. Hopefully he fires a lot of people. You know, I like that uh, right after Vivek bowed out. And so, you know, I'm endorsing Trump and all that. One of the first things he did, he had a meeting with Trump. Trump walks out and he starts talking about the evils of central bank digital currency. It's just like, stay in his ear, Vivek. Just stay in his ear. And like, but anyway, I think hopefully maybe Vivek can have an influence and it's a better term. I mean, I wouldn't hate that. I would like him to do a better job, you know? Um, but it just, yeah, like suddenly he's going to become this... I don't know, Mussolini that comes in. It's just like, okay, iron fist. You know, like I just, it's just nothing. Like, especially because he was president for four years. Like we do have a little, like you can bitch about his policies. You can bitch about 
you know, his spending. And there's lots of things you can complain about. But what he didn't do was weaponize the military against his political opponents. And, I mean, people were coming after him the whole time. The Russian collusion, the, the phone call to Ukraine to ask what the hell the Bidens were doing in Ukraine, which, like, oh, that's about your political opponent. It's like, oh. But, like, right now, is Biden's political opponent under any sort of investigations trying to lock him up? So, oh, quite a few. Quite a few. But that's different. That's different, I guess. So, yeah, Department of Homeland Security is uh, actively planting propaganda. And don't get me, you know, they say conservatives, they say MAGA, they say Republicans. They always mean the same thing. Not us, right? Libertarians, they'll fall into it too. If you're not a good Democrat, if you don't, if you're not a blue no matter who, you're part of it. Like, that's why the Joe Rogans and the Russell Brands and all these guys who, um, you know, I'm willing to bet have never voted for a Republican or anybody conservative, you know, over the UK or whatever. Um, and now they're right wing, you know, they're proxy Republicans or all these different things. It's just because it's like, no, they're just on certain things. They go, this doesn't make any sense. This sounds a little wacky. You know, it's like, you know, it's like guns are okay. Um, we don't need to just follow all the COVID nonsense, you know, like it's okay to be healthy. Working out is not right wing extremism, you know, like, but that, so that's the thing. Like a lot of these things say, Oh, we're attacking Trump. We're attacking Republicans. Everyone, everyone that doesn't fall in line, they're just by default Republicans. They're by default MAGA, you know? All right, let's see. What else we got from these wacky people? Where do I want to go next? Um, I guess we can, we'll continue this assault on all of us, and then maybe we'll get to some of the funnier stuff. So, from the blaze, they did this, uh, investigative research on uh, January 6th. So, funny enough, uh, it's the Oath Keepers trial where they're, ow, where they're um, checking the uh, whether people lied under oath. And it ends up, this fella was pretty faced there. Uh, he's a liar. He's a perjurer. And so, let's see, I don't know. I'll just run through it. Okay, the dude named Steve Baker, who, by the way, might have to go to jail because he was at January 6th as a reporter covering January 6th and he's still covering it, writing articles about it. They're going after him as an insurrectionist. So like he had, like he was supposed to report to jail, I think before the holidays and they go, Oh, we'll kick it out. And they go, okay, you're fine. At some point you're going to have to report to jail, but we'll, we'll give you a couple weeks notice and all that. So he's just sitting there. They go probably by the end of January. And now it's like, all right, well. For the crime of journalism? For the crime of insurrection, Charlie. Hmm. He was at January 6th, Charlie. Being a journalist. He may have voted for Donald Trump, Charlie. <laughs> may have. May have. I think he might have. <laughs> How about now? <laughs> so anyway, the Oath Keepers trial. You got all these dudes, and they're doing time. Um let me see. Does it list on here how much time they're doing right now? Um, well, many of them are doing over 10 years. There's people doing like 10, 12, 15. Um, That's a lot. It's real time. 
And so one thing that happened was, let's see if we can get all the people. Okay, former Capitol Police Harry Dunn, was. Uh, it's about his interactions with the Oath Keepers, right? So the Oath Keepers, they're like, um, I don't know, maybe they consider themselves a militia. I don't think so. But they're a bunch of people that go, hey, we're going to maintain the, the oath that was made with the Constitution, you know? So it's like, we're going to hold you responsible for sticking to the Constitution. And if that means, like, you know, rising against the federal government that's become tyrannical, we're going to keep that oath, you know? So there's a veiled kind of threat in there, I guess, against the federal government. But good. You know, the government should be afraid of its people all the time. Um, you know, that's the problem. The bureaucracy does not fear anything. And they should all they should all fear us. You know, we are their employers. Um, we are the people responsible to overthrow them if they become tyrannical, according to the founding documents of the of the United States. Like it's not, it's not us coming out of that out of the blue. It's you know Thomas Jefferson, the Tree of Liberty. So time to time needs to be refreshed with the blood of tyrants, and like that's true. Anyway, okay, so let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, what happened is Harry Dunn. Um, Harry Dunn's a, was a Capitol Police officer, um, and he testified. Well, first of all, after after January 6th, in his initial interview, he testified that um, Oath Keepers, did, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. They were being respectful, and he had no real complaints about them. All right, well, then investigations begin. And so, second time he's interviewed, he says that they were hassling him. They, were, they called him the N-word. Um, it was, you know, they were getting violent. He was worried about, he was worried about violence. He was worried about them hurting somebody. He was worried about them you know, pulling out guns and, you know, getting, getting squirrely. And so you might go, well, that's a big departure from what you said the first day, you know? Well, instead they got this other dude, um, who is whatever his name is. Lazarus. That's a great name. That is a great name. David Lazarus. So David Lazarus came up from the pit and he said that, uh, He's like, I saw them. I saw them messing with Dunn. And uh, he's like, I saw it last about this long. It was around this time. And then Dunn goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Lazarus was there, too. Like, when I showed up, Lazarus was already over there. Lazarus says, oh, when I showed up, they were already hassling him. So still, it doesn't add up all the way. They, you know, they say the other person was there first. Well, they, uh, old Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, released the footage to everybody. And so this Steve Baker guy, the insurrectionist, um, he's been going through the footage. And now they actually have it. And it ends up um, Lazarus was nowhere close to any of this stuff. Let's see. Let's find it here. Let's see. While, while Lazarus testified that he saw Dunn with the Oath Keepers, a claim that Baker said bolstered Dunn's testimony... Baker reported that Lazarus couldn't have seen Dunn with the Oath Keepers because the CCTV video showed Lazarus was in another building a quarter mile away. What's more, Baker said that the newly released videos showing Lazarus' whereabouts were never released to Oath Keepers' defense attorneys. So they withheld evidence from the defense about the testimony of a witness being false, you know? 
Um, let's see. Screenshot. I don't think I actually read this yet. There's a screenshot Baker obtained of an internal email. He said it was passed between Capitol Police leadership. Baker said they were concerned about the traction the story was reading uh, was receiving. Let's see. The author of an October 4th article republicizing it to claim that the USCPSA David Lawrence uh, Lazarus perjured himself on the January 6th encounter between the Oath Keepers and Officer Dunn. The offer, officer claims, whoops, or the author claims that Rep. Loudermilk gave him access to images from the CCTV photos, and he is posting images of Lazarus online as, uh, as alleged proof that he lied under oath. Not seen any threats resulting from it so far, but it got a little traction the last 18 hours. The tweets have been up, uh, with the main tweet getting 2,000 likes and 1,000 retweets. Other tweets in this thread are receiving between five and 600 likes and about 150 retweets each. Uh, something for us to keep an eye on. So the original thing, so this guy originally had still shots because uh, people had access to the video, but not like publishing rights. You couldn't take it with you. And they could take some still shots. So they're just like, hey, so they showed still shots. Now they got the video out and they're allowed to show it. It ends up the entire interaction with the Oath Keepers that Dunn has. Lazarus is somewhere else. He's in a different building, quarter mile away. He's knocked. By the time he comes up to where this interaction had happened, it was well over. He went to court and lied under oath to help convict people to go to prison for over a decade. These people are in prison right now, long sentences, they covered up evidence, and they perjured themselves. And this is the government that's doing this. Like, okay, they're Capitol Police, they're not, um, they're not the government, but <clears throat> the way, you know, the way things keep flowing, you know, uh, the head of the Capitol Police that didn't call for any backup, didn't do anything, didn't respond to radio calls, um, She's got a job in Nancy Pelosi's district, or right outside the district, making cushy money at Berkeley, Univer you know, University of California, Berkeley, where her job's very cush and very well paid. And it's like, okay, almost like she got rewarded for her job, which you wouldn't think that was a good job that was done on January 6th if you're in charge of the Capitol Police, and you go, well, it seems like y'all were overrun and didn't have enough support. Like, that seems like a failure. It's like, yeah, yeah you know, enough to get a little, little present, though. And these guys, they were, let's just invent things against some of the people we saw there to make them seem more violent and extreme so that we can convict them of crimes. It's like, how are we going to do that? Like, we got no evidence that they did anything. You know? Well, just lie. Because no one will ever see the footage. It's all locked up. You know? They don't even know the footage exists. We'll just lie. And then, oops, footage is out. <laughs> so, this is... You know, whoopsies. Yeah, whoopsies. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's grosser and grosser. It's just this is, you know, all these different ways that citizens are being attacked for nothing, really, for either their political beliefs or, I mean, a lot of that. But it's just like, all right, you know, we want to control and we have lots of levers to try to make that happen. So shouldn't all those trials be... Uh, mistrials. Mistrial. I mean, I that's if I was their attorneys, I'd be filing that paperwork already. Like mistrial or um, you know reverse, but definitely, I mean, mistrial should be easy. You go, 
look at one of the some of the biggest testimony here. Well, I don't know if it's the biggest testimony, but like this major bit of testimony, they didn't provide us with evidence. That's prosecu- prosecutorial misconduct. I'm in trouble talking today. Um, and they go, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So we, uh, I guess before we hop over to other prosecutorial misconduct, um, just a couple of things where the government's kind of lied and attacked us, right? Um, I'm not going to really go through these articles, but on... January 16th, the Daily Caller reports that the Department of Justice acknowledges the Hunter Biden laptop content is legitimate for the first time. So, like, you know, for a while, you go, oh, the Hunter Biden laptop. They go, ah, Russian disinformation. You go, what? It looks like his laptop. And they go, nah, look at this letter. We got all these intelligence people that say it looks like Russian dis- disinformation. It's not real. The Bidens are like, oh, it's not real. Then later they go, it was stolen. And it's like, all right, fine. It was real. Like, and so you lied through your teeth during the last presidential election. And you just lied. You just made it up. 50-something intelligence people lied. And go, no, no, no. It's not real. Now they're like, all right, fine. It's real. And what else? From Newsweek, Fauci gives Republicans ammo for lab leak conspiracy theory. You go, what? Gives Republicans ammo? Why? First sentence. Dr. Fauci provided ammo to Republicans this week as he reportedly acknowledged that claims that the COVID-19 virus stemmed from a lab leak in Wuhan, China was not a conspiracy theory. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, just during testimony, he goes, nah, it's not, what, conspiracy theory? Nah, we wouldn't say that. You did. And you shut down conversation on the internet. Anybody that talked about it, you said it was from eating bat soup. You know, like it's, and they just casually come out with this stuff. When they weaponized it against people who were in agreement that it was a leak and it was, and you were basically shunned to the corner. Oh yeah. I mean like actual scientists, actually like people, people who worked in these sort of systems. Like, no man, like that. It, and like John Stewart, it's just like, come on. It's the Wuhan respiratory virus, like coronavirus respiratory virus lab. And like the leak came from Wuhan. Like, what's more likely? <laughs> I mean, it didn't take, you know, it didn't take geniuses. That was the thing. Like, all of us were like, I don't know, man. It looks like that lab probably had a leak. Human error? It Like, I mean, it could be human error. You could say, oh, I was weaponized. I did it on purpose. Maybe. At the very least, human error. You know, like, it's not crazy to say somebody screwed up at a virus lab and a virus got out. It's hard to see a virus. They can just get out there, you know? But, uh, yeah, they just casually go, all right, yeah, we've been we've been whooping y'all on these for a little while, but just kidding. But I love the, the angle Newsweek takes, though, right? It's not, it's not Dr. Fauci acknowledges. It's Republicans have ammo, which, once again, Republicans mean anybody that's not them, but it's, you know, it's Republicans. Where it's like, okay, now they're going to jump all over this and say it's a big deal. And it's like, I mean, do you not see it being a, maybe not a big deal, but something worth talking about? The narrative has changed drastically? Yeah, the verbiage choice, like, Republicans, ammo. Like, okay, guys. It's it's the good old-fashioned Republicans pounce type thing, where it's, 
the story is never, um, you know, Democrat senator caught with prostitute runs over toddler. You know, it's Republican pounce on news story about Democrat senator. And you go, well, what was the story? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, don't worry about that. It's how mean the Republicans are about it. It's like, all right. All right. So it's never Democrats pounce, you know. But anyway, so those are just little things they threw out. But speaking of prosecutors and all the stuff going on, you know, Trump's running for president now and he's got all these different cases. So the one in Atlanta was the one that uh, was possible to have the biggest repercussions. It's uh, I think it's election interference, but it's a state trial, right? It's all these federal ones. Um, Trump wins re-election. He can just pardon himself. Boom. He's done. No federal issue. Uh, a state issue, state of Georgia, um, that doesn't get pardoned. And so, like, the question is, oh, if he's found guilty, can they convict him to can give him prison time? It's like, well, theoretically. It's like, and if he gets elected president and he's in prison, can he get out? And it's like, the- theoretically not. No. Like, there's no, there's no system for a federal pardon of a state crime. Now, of course, the governor is a Republican in Georgia, even though Kemp and Trump don't necessarily like one another. Uh, but you have to imagine a good old, a good, good GOP participant. You know, he's not going to sit there and stand on principle or something like that. He's going to let the dude out. Uh, but it's kind of interesting. So the prosecutor's name or the district attorney's name is Fanny Willis. Great name. <laughs> so this is from the blaze again. Uh, Fulton County district attorney, Fanny Willis broke her silence Sunday after a week of criticism or allegations of misconduct. Oh, wait, is this one? Yeah. Before we get to what she did or how she responded to this, cause that's fine. I'm going to jump further down. Okay. So a motion was filed January 8th to disqualify Willis and her alleged lover, special prosecutor, Nathan Wade, uh, from prosecuting the election interference case of one former president, Donald Trump's, co-defendants, uh, one of his co-defendants in Georgia. The motion claimed that Willis, who has since been subpoenaed to testify in Wade's divorce case, so the special prosecutor is Wade. He's getting divorced from his wife and she just got sus- subpoenaed. Go, well, that's interesting. Why would you be subpoenaed in their divorce case? Was embroiled, she was, it's because she was embroiled in an improper clandestine personal relationship with Wade, a married attorney she appointed without the approval of the Fulton County Board of Commissioners, as required by law, whose apparent lack of experience has been subjected to greater scrutiny in recent days. Motion further alleges that Willis's apparent intentional failure to disclose her conflict of interest to Fulton County and the court, combined with her decision to employ the special prosecutor based on her own personal interests, may well be an act to defraud the public of honest services since the district attorney personally benefited from an undisclosed conflict of interest. Extra to exposing Willis to a possible federal criminal investigation, the motion prompted additional concerns over the Biden White House's direct involvement in the prosecution of the Republican frontrunner. Blaze News previously noticed that Willis and Wade met with elements of the Biden White House Right uh, before and after their recommendation of charges against the Trump at taxpayers' expenses. Duo also appeared to have coordinated with the January 6th committee staff over the period of months while building their case against Trump in Georgia. So these two, in charge of it, before they recommended charges, they met with the Biden White House. 
after they recommended charges, they met with the Biden White Houses. White House. While they're building their case itself, they're meeting with the January 6th committee, which once again selectively edited and, you know, pretty much anything they accuse anybody else of doing. They just showed all the worst footage and, you know, it was, it was just a sham. That was just a sham. I mean, they produced it with a Hollywood producer <laughs> to make it look as bad as possible. And quite frankly, I don't know if we talked about this, but some of the footage they've released of the Capitol cops before anybody breached anything. They were shooting um, rubber bullets and tear gas into the crowd. And, like, you know, a tear gas grenade hitting you in the head hurts. You know? There's one guy got a rubber bullet through his cheek. And it's like, I don't know. If you're trying to make sure people don't riot, don't shoot them in the face. Because, like, I mean, I'm surprised at, like, how many times, how many shots there were of these guys, like, throwing in tear gas, shooting into the crowd. And during that whole time, not one of them. Like, no one ran at that point. Because, like, that might be enough for me. If I was sitting there and some dude shoots me in the face, like, I'm going to take that gun out of your hand and beat you in the skull with it. You know? Like, yeah, I mean, with a rubber bullet, obviously. I got to go up and shake his hand. Thank you for that. Yeah, that felt like, great. Oh, I recognize your authority to shoot me in the face while I stand here. Like, yeah. No, I don't recognize that authority. Like, give me that gun. And, like, sorry. You're going to get You might lose a little hole in your cheeky, too. You know? How does it feel? <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, it's self-defense. If you're standing there, like, behind a barricade in a, in a legal place to protest, and someone is actively shooting at you, uh, that I mean, you should fear for your life in that situation, and your duty is to disarm that man before he hurts you and other people. And, uh, yeah, he wears a stupid Capitol Police badge, but who cares? You don't get to kill people. Right. You know? You don't get to maim and kill just because... You're a tour guard, you know, you're guard the, like, the tourist area. Anyway, um, so there's a lot messed up about this. But, uh, so, okay, so this lady, she's banging this dude who's married. And then she's, she, uh, I don't know if it shows the other stuff in here. Um, whatever. But they, uh, he gets a cushy job where he gets paid drastically more than the other special prosecutors. And he gets benefits that are very good, including vacations and all that kind of stuff. Ends up uh, maybe he went on a or they went on a cruise together at some point using some of his special benefits he negotiated in the employment contract that wasn't approved by anybody but Fannie Willis. And so you know, <clears throat> suddenly like she's benefiting from his huge salary and his vacation packages and uh, <laughs> huge package um, and her fanny. <laughs> <For her fanny>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah it's like one of those things like i don't know it seems like you're personally benefiting and so <clears throat> all right so all this article i mean this whole motions file because like there's something to miss here so what does she do she goes to a, a church she goes not just any church the congregation at big bethel ame i mean methodist am ame I don't know. Anyway, in Atlanta. And then she denied, she, well, she didn't deny the allegations of betting a married subordinate, nor of taking fancy trips on his dime. She didn't deny the suggestion that she coordinated with anybody. Um, but what she did do is say it was from racism. That's it. The motion was not based in the fact that she has this corrupt prosecution going on with her lover and they've been milking the taxpayers 
is that she's a black woman. And that's why this happened. And she said, you know, black women shouldn't have to be perfect, Charlie. They shouldn't have to be perfect, Charlie. People pull these cards out just conveniently. Anytime they want. Yeah. It's... It's so dishonest. I, f- I feel like it's not working as much as it, like, when it first started. Like, the Obama years was when that really got, like, that first popped up in any serious way. You know, you criticize Barack Obama because he's the first black president and you're racist and, you know, he's got a funny name and all that kind of stuff. You go, oh, well, that's, that's what it is. It has nothing to do with not wanting to, you know, create Obamacare or spend, you know, a billion dollars on this program which used to be a big deal to spend a billion dollars on one program it's not they, they build obamacare at 900 million so it would fall under a billion uh, of course it cost over a billion but they're like people never go for a program that's a billion dollars has never been done now we just omnibus left and right billions here billions there like no one even cares um but but yeah, and so like during that time, that that card got weaponized and it was pretty effective. Nowadays, I think it's lost a lot of steam because people like like this lady. It's like no one mentioned anything about you being black. Like no one mentioned anything about you being black or him being black. Like yeah, y'all are black. Oh, that's what she said. She said she had named three special prosecutors, all great people, all great lawyers. One was a white woman. She loves her. Great job. She's tenacious. A white man. Great lawyer, great guy. And then they only went after the black man. It's like, yeah, that black man gets paid like three times as much as they do for the same job, plus better benefits, plus you're banging them. You know, like if you're banging the white guy or the white woman and they had the salary, like I'm pretty sure they go after that one too. Uh, but I do feel like this stuff is losing steam. Um, one thing, you don't have this one pulled up, but finally... Um, a Georgia judge has scheduled a hearing to address the misconduct allegations against her. So the Fulton County Superior Judge Scott McAfee has scheduled a February 15th, day after Valentine's Day, so they can still have a nice evening, you know, the next day. <laughs> then they can address the serious allegations of misconduct that surfaced. So it looks like the person sent a Trump to court and what her herself was going to have to go to court uh, on these allegations. So, you know, it's possible. She ends up catching charges and loses her job. So that's kind of an interesting twist. Is that? Wait, I have something else I wanted to just touch on funny. Yeah, I don't think we have time for disease X. <laughs> that's, you know, now that, well, okay, just real quick on disease X. My favorite is what's causing it. They're, they developed it using a pangolin. And so remember on South Park, Stan's dad caused COVID-19 by banging a pangolin. It's disease X that he caused. But uh, yeah, they made, they made a coronavirus that is 100% effective in killing. They killed all the lab mice, the mutant mice. In seven came. days. In seven days by rotting their brains. Like all their other faculties were fine, but their brain basically got rotted away. Um the mutant mice, which I do support more articles that use the term mutant mice. You know, I get it. They mutate it for blah, 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 gene for blah, blah, blah. But still, they're mutant mice. And we're just killing the poor mutants. But yeah, so that's good. At least it's in, is it in Wuhan? 
Beijing. It's in Beijing this time. So just Beijing has created a virus. That's a COVID, uh, COVID coronavirus, a respiratory virus um, that has killed every mutant mouse it's touched, which is good. Good, 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 good. All right. This is my fun part, okay? So one of the best things about X is community notes, right? Some people are gaming it, like foreign nations have been gaming it a little bit, uh, especially with the Israeli-Palestine uh, thing, which, by the way, man, have you seen, like, there have been so many missile attacks from, like, Iran and, like, the, what are they, the IRGC, or whatever, the, the guard, the royal guard, um, who we also classify as a terrorist group. But like them, the Houthis, all the like uh, in Iraq, all these ballistic missiles, just like they got most of them. But there's some dudes right now, like American soldiers that are injured with like traumatic brain injuries from these ballistic missiles raining down in Iraq. And they're it's funny, they're they're using some clever language. They are like, ah, we identified uh, some terrorist activity um, at one point uh, in Syria, Iraq. I forget where it was. But one of the places that they hit, they said that um, it was a center for espionage and terrorism because uh, they believed it was uh, the Mossad. You know, Mossad's based out of there, and that's Mossad's the source of a lot of their terrorism. And it's funny, like both sides can use that word. You know, it's like clandestine attacks against a sovereign nation. One might call that terrorism. You know, and you go, well, no, we're the good guys. It's not terrorism when we do it. And it's like, yeah, they also think they're the good guys. And they don't think it's terrorism when they do it, you know. But anyway, community notes is great uh, when they're not being gamed. But uh, so on MLK Day, <laughs> the FBI posts this hashtag MLK Day. The hashtag FBI honors one of the most prominent leaders of the civil rights movement and reaffirms its commitment to Dr. King's legacy of fairness and equal justice for all. Community notes. The FBI engaged in surveillance of King, attempted to discredit him, and used manipulation tactics to influence him to stop organizing. King's family believed the FBI was, was, was responsible for his death. It's like, yes. Thank you, community notes. Don't let the FBI come out and honor Dr. King. They tried to get him to kill himself. They had recordings of him with prostitutes that they sent his wife. And, you know, they're like, hey, you should probably stop what you're doing. Or people are going to hear this. And he was like, I'm going to keep going. You know, but FBI. It's like, we like to honor these people. It's like, would you? What about, you want to honor the, the Japanese next? Is that going to be a big thing? Like, oh, you know, honor the Japanese during World War II. It's like the ones you locked in internment camps? It's like, okay, sounds reasonable. But uh, I just love that Community Notes is not not letting them get away with that. Well, yeah, it's like whoever's running the FBI's social media <clears throat> is a little bit uninformed. <laughs> Man, they don't care. They don't care about facts and stuff. You put the narrative out, you make it work, Charlie. <laughs> Haven't you been paying attention today? <laughs> uh, well, it's good to be back. We might actually try some things this year on the show, a little different. Um, but maybe we won't. I don't know. You don't get to tell us how to live our lives. Okay. Well... Until next week, oh uh, wait, you know, follow us on the things, subscribe and follow, um, you know, set your alerts on the YouTubes, on the Rumbles, the uh, iTunes, the Spotify's, other things, if 
if you can listen to things and watch things, we're probably there. And all right. Until next week, what do you got, Charlie? I have control of the Jewish space laser. It's true. Fear us. Fear us. We are the Jews. Thank <laughs> you.